Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament raised $24,000 for the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA through the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament that took place on Wednesday at the Susquehanna Valley Country Club. All told over the years, in the years and years of the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament, they have now raised over a million dollars, over a million dollars for charities in the Valley. Now, as for insurance needs, they're the best in the business. I was talking about, I was talking to Bill Purdy about this. I said, look, I always say great pros that are even better people. They're just great people. They care. Customer service means everything. Auto, home, life, business, motorcycle, boat, RV, whatever it may be. They'll do everything they can they can to save you money and make sure you're fully insured. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 to 15, Hummel's Wharf Online. SunburyMotors.com. Steve Keener, in a few minutes, the Little League World Series gets underway Wednesday, South Williamsport. There's also a lot going on. Um, On and off the field. So let's start with on the field. Uh, The fans had a great chance, and I was just, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. What a turnout on Saturday. Even though the weather was like, <laughs> kind of looking around. Going, I mean, James came up to me and he goes, oh, God, Steve. <laughs> he says, we finally do something like this. He says, and there's a tornado watch. <laughs> so he looks at me. He's like, I know, James, I know. Um, and then it rained most of it. And everybody stuck around. They stuck around. And... I think there have been great write-ups from everybody that was there. Um, Mark Brennan and Nate Bauer and Thomas Frank Carr and Audrey Snyder and Dylan and John Sauber and the people that were there did great write-ups on it. So you got a pretty good idea of how it played out. The defense had its night. Um... The defense had its night. Now that's not is that the way um the camp has gone? No. There have been a lot of this has been as competitive a camp as I've seen where there have been a lot of periods which have been eight seven one way or the other close, which is what you want. But everybody got a chance to see Saturday. And Saturday in the rain was okay. That's what everybody saw. Here's the key. 
the key now is to come back today because they had yesterday off. You come back today and get this thing back to being 8-7. Make the adjustments that get the thing back to 8-7. Where the offense wins 8, defense wins 7, defense wins 8, offense wins 7. That's what they have to do. You cannot let today be an offshoot of Saturday. The key is to stack days. So the offense has to get back to stacking days after having a tough one on Saturday. That that you know, and the defense was great, terrific. You know, I'll tell you what I really like about the corners. Dixon, King, Miller, Hardy. The way they play it, patience and poise. Patience and poise. That's how they play it out there. You can see it. They play, I mean, the corners really, they were bright lights on Saturday. And I think the fans saw it and the obviously media covering it saw it. So, all right. We will take a break. Steve Keener next. Don't worry. Matt had another one of those hard weekends sports-wise. We'll get to hear all about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, we got some things to discuss. Oh, boy. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, very pleased to be joined by Steve Keener, old friend. Big week, big couple of weeks coming up. Steve, welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's always a uh, pleasure to talk to you around this time of year. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, the field is there. I mean, you know, it's set. Yep. What's, intri- what's intriguing to you about it? What What makes it exciting? What makes it fresh for you? Well, you, you know, Steve, what makes it fresh is what it has done for the last 76 years. That's kids. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, the, the kids don't change. A lot, a lot of things change, and whether it's good or bad, but the, the one thing that stays constant is, uh, you know, 11 and 12 year old kids that are excited and uh, playing baseball and, and having fun and, you know, meeting kids from all over all corners of the world. Uh, that That's really what gets, you know, every year I, I, I kind of get renewed energy by just watching them. And, uh, but we do have a, do have a few new things this year. Uh, yeah. May or may not be aware. Uh, this is the first year we have a, a team representing Cuba in the in the World Series. I was I was about to talk to you about that because I yeah. remember when Uganda got there. Yeah, did a game over at the Cutters, and the fans gave the team from Uganda a standing ovation. It was great. <laughs> Having a team from Cuba there is tremendous. Yeah, they're uh, uh, they, they're a great bunch of kids. Their coaches are terrific. Uh, you know, we've had a. Uh, a relationship with the Cuban Baseball Federation now for the last uh, four years, and uh, so this is the first time we've had them here in Williamsport. But uh, really looking forward to having. I mean, you know, anybody that kind of follows baseball at all knows what a passion the, the Cubans have for the sport. And it was really the only Caribbean island that we didn't have any affiliation in. And uh, so very happy to happy to have that. In fact, one little kind of news note about the team, which is kind of neat. Um, there's uh, one of the youngest players on their team is a young boy named Alfredo Despange. And uh, Alfredo's father has been on the Cuban national team for 17 years. He's a designated mm-hmm. hitter on the team. 
And I, I actually had a chance to meet him in Miami at the World Baseball Classic. And uh, and he told me he was more nervous for his son coming to play in <laughs> Williamsport than he, than he was facing the U.S. team in the semifinals of the WBC <laughs> that night. <laughs> so that'll <laughs> so be fun. It'll, it'll be, yeah, uh, no. be fun to watch. He, his dad's over in Japan playing professionally yeah. now, so he, he, he won't be able to watch it, but I'm sure he'll be able to see him on television. Steve, what did it take to get the Cuban Little League into the mix because obviously steps have to be taken to do something like that. Yeah, it it, uh, it was a lot of work, um, but the, the, the good thing about it is is that their youth baseball structure in Cuba very much mirrored what we already do. I mean, for example, they, they play on what they call municipal teams, which are their, you know, throughout the island of Cuba, there's a lot of small towns and each municipality has its own, its own team. And uh, so we, we were worked with them to set up a structure to play uh, municipal tournaments, and then they played a, a provincial tournament, and they picked their all-star teams to play in the national tournament. There are 16 provinces in Cuba, so they had basically 16 provincial champions that come together, and it's that team that wins that tournament, which represents Cuba here at the Little League World Series. So there was a there was a pretty good structure already in place, and it was just making a few little modifications to it to you know, make sure it was all in compliance with our rules and regulations and they were very happy to do all that really didn't take a whole lot uh to get that done but you know it's uh you know when you also look at the the situation you know politically it was a a little bit of a challenge because in order in order for us to be able you know as i think you may know we 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 provide the all the costs for transportation and housing Mm -hmm. and everything for for the teams to come and we we had to go through a pretty rigorous process with the Treasury Department to get a license from the Office of Foreign Asset Control to be able to do all of this. So that 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 was uh, a lot of a lot of bureaucracy involved, but but we got it done and uh, and we were able to do it. So uh, what I feel really good about is the, the Cuban team is one of twenty teams here, and they're being treated just like everybody else. So uh, very happy about that. Obviously, communication is the sport of baseball that binds all the players together. Does Little League do anything with translators and so forth, or are you relying on translators within the team with some well, of the languages that are spoken? We, we really do both. Uh, what we, we, when the teams all arrive, we do some things to get them introduced to each other away from the playing field right away. And it was interesting because I was I was down on the complex yesterday and the Cuban team and the Australian team were both going down to fields to practice. And they were walking as a team down the hill. And about an hour later, I was kind of see it out my office window. I watched, watched them walk back up. And instead of walking as a team, all the kids were walking together. Some had their arms around each other. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and then some, through technology, they've got their phones and they're using like Google Translate to talk to each other. And it's it's just fascinating to watch, and um, and you see a lot of that in the Grove where they stay. That uh, you know the kids from Japan or Taiwan talking to the kids from Mexico or Panama, wherever they might be, and they're translating through the the, the translation apps so that they can communicate. And it's just uh, really a wonderful thing that the the Cuban coach told me when I met with him the other day that he said we came here for two purposes: one to play baseball, and two to make friends. <laughs> so uh, that's what they're doing. That, that's great. I have said for years that the single best event 
that ESPN does, ESPN ABC, in terms of how they approach it and how they carry it off as the Little League World Series. They they do an exemplary job on it. Now, I'm not going to get into what I think of some other things they do, but this they're great (laughs) at. Yeah. Uh, How do you feel about the partnership with them? Oh, very good. We actually just extended it through uh, 2030, so we have another eight-year. This is the first year of a new eight-year uh, uh, agreement with ESPN and ABC. And, and you know, you know that you probably know better than many, you know, how the whole linear television streaming yeah. world is changing almost daily, it seems. Uh, so there's, you know, there's some elements of that that we're getting used to. But what it's what it's done is it's allowed us to reach a, a much broader audience through some of their their uh, ESPN Plus streaming platform, and allows us to put more more games on, and particularly for softball and some of our teenage divisions. So, you know, we're, we're able to get more exposure for the program, and you know, give the kids that play at those levels some opportunities to to play on and. and uh, uh, you know, play in an environment very similar to what we have here in Williamsport. But yeah, we know we're we're uh, we have a very good relationship with them. Um, you know, they they're, they're great storytellers, and yes. you know, an event like this, and with with twenty teams, ten international, and ten from around the U- United States, there's plenty of stories to tell, and that's that's really what they do best, and that's how they approach it. Is you know, baseball's sort of the vehicle through which they tell stories of these kids and their families and where they come from and, and all those kind of things. And I, that's, I think that's what makes it compelling to people. How have you felt about the growth of the softball series? Phenomenal. We, uh, we've we made a commitment over the last number of years to try to elevate our Little League softball program, and uh, I think we're making some strides toward that. Uh, this past year, we were able to have the uh, championship game of the Little League Softball World Series televised on ABC actually mm-hmm. yesterday. Yep. And uh, we've entered into a partnership with a professional uh, women's softball program called Athletes Unlimited. And uh, very similar to the MLB Little League Classic game that we play here during the, the League Baseball World Series, um, the Athletes Unlimited organization brought their four teams uh, of uh, professional women to uh, Greenville, North Carolina, and played a doubleheader uh, very similar to the Little League Classic here had their players over at our softball complex interacting with the young ladies playing in our softball world series. It was a phenomenal couple of days. And uh, in fact, one of the, one of the young ladies playing in the AU program is a uh, pitcher from Florida state named Catherine Sandercock. Well, mm-hmm. Catherine ten, 10 years ago played in the little league softball world series out in Portland, Oregon. And uh, so, you know, she was very popular among all the, all the girls there that were that were playing but just all of that has contributed to to growing the softball program in fact next year in 2024 we're we're going to have a year-long initiative called girls with game 50 and we're going to celebrate uh, 50 years since girls have been able to play little league baseball and then when the little league softball program started so it's going to be kind of a year-long uh year-long celebration and promotion of uh of the females in our program uh, I've obviously been doing games between State College and Williamsport, and I've already seen the setup for the Phillies and Nationals game, which is coming up. What has yep. that? What has the Little League, Major League Baseball Little League connection meant with the teams actually being 
out there sliding down the hill. Last year was the Orioles and the Red Sox, and this yeah. year it's the Phillies and the Nationals. What has that meant to the Little Leaguers and also to you in Little League that Major League Baseball's made this kind of commitment? Well, it, first of all, we have a great relationship with Major League Baseball, and uh, Commissioner Manfred, is, one of his mandates was to uh, kind of get back to promoting the game at the grassroots level, growing the game at the grassroots level. And, you know, they they realize that the, the demographics of baseball fans is getting older, and they, they're, they're really, you know, focused on a youth movement. So anything they could do to you know, be, have more sort of connective tissue with youth baseball is what drove them to kind of create the MLB Little League Classic. What it's done for us is just a phenomenal day here in Williamsport on that Sunday when, you know, it's kind of from early in the morning till 10 o'clock at night on ESPN networks. It's all Little League, Major League Baseball, and then you have the interaction of the, the Major League guys when they come over here to our uh, complex and spend a couple hours with the kids in the World Series, and then when our kids in the World Series go watch them play that evening on Sunday Night Baseball, uh, just makes for a great atmosphere. And what I have noticed is that the Major League guys, we always have some teams to greet them when they get off the buses over here. Their eyes kind of light up when most of them have probably seen this on television, <laughs> but many of them never yep. been here. And they start mm-hmm. walking in here, and, and it's almost like it takes them back to when they were 12. And they went, I'll give you an example. Two years ago when the Angels were here, Mike Trout was on the injured list and didn't even have to make the trip, but he came anyway. Right. He got off the bus here and said, I want to do everything. <laughs> he went and sat in the dugout <laughs> with, the, with the kids during the games. He wanted to go up and see where they play ping pong and they eat. And, uh, you know, just to, and, 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 you know, of course, the kids were just enamored with him and Shohei Otani and, and uh, you know, but it's it just such a – it just shows you the – I guess there's this connection between, you know, the older players and, and kids that you have in baseball. And I'm not – I don't know if you have that in a lot of other sports. It's just really noticeable in baseball, sort of the generational connections of the, of the game. Hey, you're still kids playing a game. That's Even right. if you're 30, it's, right. a, it's, still a, it's still a kid's game. You're just getting a lot yeah. of money for it. But very quickly, <laughs> Steve, if, when, when the when the fans show up, any differences they'll see, anything they should be aware of before they go? Uh, just just some, some real nice improvements to our complex, the physical complex. Mm-hmm. We have a new, new sort of main entrance. We've streamlined uh, security operations so that there, we don't have crowded long lines of people waiting to get in. Uh, we have some new parking arrangements, so I think people are going to notice a much better flow with the you know thousands of people who come, and and uh, it makes it for an even better experience for all the the fans and the families that are that are here. So, hey, I have to I have to tell you one one thing too. Given your relationship with Penn State football, I don't know if mm-hmm. you, you may not be aware of this, but on Saturday, August twenty sixth, is when we play our U.S. championship game here yeah. on ABC. And that is the one game where they actually broadcast the U.S. National Anthem live. And this mm-hmm. year, the singer Golden. for Golden Israel, am I, yeah. Akumba, am I saying that right? Achumba. Uh, Golden Israel Achumba. Achumba. Yeah, Achumba. Uh, linebacker at Penn State is going to come down and, and sing the National Anthem for us. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. You'll love it. Does it a cappella. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He, 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 he was he's, he's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Gold, you'll, and you'll love talking with him. He's a great guy. Good. Hey, good, good, good. Steve, thank you yeah. so much. It's special what you guys do, and we appreciate what you do. Well, I appreciate it, Steve. Always grateful for uh, your interest in what we're doing, and I uh, uh, hope you have a great uh, season up at uh, State College as well. Okay? You have a great couple of weeks coming up. It's okay. big. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thank you.
old friend Steve Keener, Little League World Series. Right, coming up, you're going to speak. Yeah, there are a few things to get to on the docket today. Sit there and debate uh, whether to stay. Uh, <laughs> here on News Radio 1070 WK, okay. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Hi, this is Season. For over 100 years, the Purdy Insurance Agency has been protecting families and businesses of the greater Susquehanna Valley and beyond. With the experience of our trained and knowledgeable staff, you can rest assured that your needs will be evaluated and met by some of the industry's best representatives. No matter what your insurance needs are, call Purdy Insurance today at 570-286-5855. Visit our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what we can do for you. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK, sponsored by Prudy Insurance. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by the great people at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, boat, RV. Whatever it may be. They'll do everything they can to save you money while making sure you're fully insured. And don't forget the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament. $24,000 plus going to the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA after last week. And... We're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sit back, put your feet up. This should be an enjoyable half hour. (laughs) Well, first, I'm actually going to start with what happened with Jim Harbaugh over the weekend, where the NCAA pulled back and now the deal's off the table to give him that slap in the wrist four-game suspension, which was laughable to begin with. So, all of a sudden the NCAA is going to grow a set of goyuns and put this on Jim Harbaugh? Why didn't they do this from the first place? Because guess what? Now Jim Harbaugh will likely get away with what he's done and be able to coach all of this season. Not that it really much mattered anyway because the first four games that he was going to miss were cupcake games. And who knows, he's been trying to get out of college football for a while now. If he somehow gets back to the NFL, he may get away with it, period. So once again, the incompetent NCAA has struck once again. Because they had their chance to make their mark on this guy who thinks he is above everything else in college football. And just feels like in the minute the minute he loses credibility or the minute he loses a game, the minute it gets tougher for him, he can just he thinks he can just go straight to the NFL and now he may not he may get away with this totally. If the NCAA would just ever learn to stick to its to stick to its roots, which it never does, then this is this is just gonna continue to happen. So not only did he get the four game suspension, which was a slap on the wrist, now it gets pulled back. NCAA is trying to be tough guy all of a sudden. But guess what? He may get away with it anyway. 
it's just once again the NCAA strikes me same leader same story different leader same story I'm tired of Jim Harbaugh think being getting all this entitlement in college football so Jim Harbaugh is accused of lying to the investigators and I would like to point out so everyone knows Bruce Pearl when he was at Tennessee in the recruitment of um, Aaron Kraft and then in being interviewed about the recruitment lied about it and what they did and didn't do there is a slight difference with Harbaugh uh, in that he is accused of lying as Pearl did but at the same time the one thing he didn't do that Pearl did according to the reports is that Pearl convinced his staff to lie and and made a call to the crafts to get them to lie I think that's what is alleged in that with him and he ended up getting I think it was a two year show cause or something like that um, in this um, in this he lied that's what's alleged that he lied and if Pearl got two years because it was evidently more extensive Harbaugh shouldn't have gotten four games he should have gotten a year to be honest with you if Bruce Pearl got two years show cause okay then Harbaugh should have gotten a year Sorry, that's the way it goes. Um, and just want to make sure that he got. Actually, Proga was given a three year show call, cause penalty for lying, effective August 23rd, 2014. Okay? Well, if he got three years for that, okay? Harbaugh may have may not have gone out of his way to get others around him to lie, so we'll go one third of it, one year, not four games. That's me, as I've said a million times. Um, when it comes to everything, that Jim Harbaugh does not care what I think, and to that, my response is, what a coincidence. There it is. Okay. But I'm saying, Bruce Pearl got three years. Why did Bruce Pearl get three years? Because they said he lied. Now, he may have convinced others to lie, so they had this ring of steel, at least so he thought. But that was the premise. He lied. So it may have been, quote, more extensive, but... After that, in terms of the individual, Pearl lied, 
and it's alleged that Harbaugh lied. Okay, so one got three years show cause. He got four games? No, how about a year? That's how I look at it. And who knows what's been going on with the negotiations with Michigan. I I don't know. I don't know. What is next? Now, of course, next is what James Harden said today about Daryl Morey. I'm not sure if you've seen the video yet or not. He said, quote, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be part of that organization he's a part of. This came after the Sixers. Yesterday was reported that they're pulling all trades off the table right now, and they're keeping Harden. So let me just say this about one James Harden. James Harden is a fraud, and no team will win a championship he's a part of. And I am ready for the Sixers just to trade him now. I don't care if it's for a bucket of balls at this point. This guy has become a cancer very quickly. And if you want to send him, if he wants to go to his precious Clippers and be home in LA and party and get fat and do all these other things he likes to do off the court and be a name and not actually be a star on the court, then let him do it. Because I'm officially tired of him. The Sixers need to move on from him, and that's that. Case closed. Well, I did. You know, he had already. They had said they're pulling his name off the table. He'd already been requested to trade, and he didn't change that. I mean, just because they said they're pulling the name off doesn't mean he's he still was requesting a trade. All right. Oh yeah, no f- question there. It's just no. They couldn't find what they're looking for him, but it doesn't matter at this point. Just find a way to get rid of him because he's not going to. He's a detriment to this franchise now. I mean, he, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid all have something in common. Right. I'm sorry. I don't. People may not want to hear this, but I'm going to say it anyway because somebody's got to be objective and look at these three guys. When it comes to the biggest moments, they do not perform well. Okay. Ben Simmons is obvious. I think Harden is obvious. Check out what what Embiid's numbers are in games. You want to know what his game seven numbers are? You want to know what his shooting percentage is in game sevens? Thirty nine percent. Holy mackerel. He's seven feet tall. He's not that far from the basket. Okay? You've got you've got players that in the biggest moments do not perform well. It's one thing to go out there and get fifty against the Timberwolves. Okay? But now you're trying to advance. That's why you can't get past round two. You don't have guy. You don't. You do not have guys who perform. And oh no, Embiid, he's the MVP. And of course, you know, I kind of sat there and went, oh, for good. most of the season, like, okay, fine. I knew when they got to got to crunch time, he was not going to be able to do it. It's like watching Giancarlo Stanton bat in the ninth inning. Lots of great numbers. Wow, look at all the home runs. Look at all the oh, yeah, gets to the ninth inning. It's like you're sitting there, like going, "Am I worried?" No. Game seven with it, Joel Embiid. Are you worried? No. Sorry, 
Not good at it. He now has a record. You've got a lot of guys that are a problem on that team. When it comes to crunch time, your guy is one of the problems. And nobody want everybody wants to tippy toe around Joel Embiid. Okay? He needs to go out there and play ball. Okay? He does not play ball. Okay, it's great to go out there against the Sacramento Kings and get your fifty. Oh, he's the MVP MVP. MVP. All right, and then you get to the playoffs, so they're going. Uh, he doesn't really look like the MVP. Uh, no. They seem to have figured him out. So it's not just Harden. You've got other problems. And nobody wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to tiptoe around it, okay? Look at his numbers in closing games. When you have to have it. Not good. So I had to take a look the other day. Dick Girardi and I were talking about this the other day. He said, Dick, his numbers aren't great. Dick said, no. He says it's one of the biggest misnomers going out there. Great in December and January. Great. Playoffs? No. But he did this in this game? No. Okay, come on. But look at his average. No. Okay, money on the table. Nowhere to be found. Usually you can find Joel Embiid when the money's on the table. At the end of the game, he's usually two minutes ago sitting on the bench because they lost. Yeah, after that game seven, I mean, I... I... I really do think now this is this may be hindsight a little bit, but I, I think at this point where the franchise is in the re- direction they've been trying to take, this is rock bottom just about. Well, it's not rock bottom. I mean, rock bottom was during the process when they were a horrible team. They are not a horrible team. They're a good team. They are not a great team. Well, what I'm saying is they haven't really gotten anywhere since the process began. They still can't get past the second round. Because they only got received one legitimate draft pick out of the process. That's I mean, a big. That's a big chunk of it. Absolutely. Okay. okay. They got Joel Embiid, who is, to his credit, a terrific player. But again, when it when the money's on the table, right, he doesn't perform well. Sorry, <laughs> over here, ability to look at it objectively. I'm not sitting there with with you know the red, white, and blue jerseys on, going, "Hey, great, rah rah, pennant going." No, it's not. Sorry, right? In the big game, I don't want him on my team. Okay. In the big game, I don't want him on my team. He may be a great talent, but it doesn't mean I want him in that spot. Big game? Yeah, I want Jokic on my team. I mean, he... You know he's proven over and over again that he can he performs well when the when you need it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean some people are like that. Curry's like that. A lot of you know a lot of guys, but 
I mean, Harden, Harden's never been like that. Harden's been about getting his. It's all been about the averages. Simmons, don't know. Okafor, I mean, he, I mean, he can't defend you, and you don't really have much of a handle. Exactly right. <laughs> but he can't defend you. Uh, you know, I mean, they the strain. I mean, Markel Fultz. Uh, I was about to say and, him. Yeah, that's another I mean, disaster. But I'm saying these are over and over again. These are all top three picks I'm talking about here. How do you miss on all of them except for Embiid? Ogafer, I think, was a four. But these are all top four picks. How do you go one for seven? That's impossible to do. Or seemingly impossible. I mean, the Celtics had two top three picks. They picked Jalen Brown and they picked Jason Tatum. <laughs> well, okay. Went two for two there. <laughs> and in the process, kind of snake bit the Sixers, too. In what way? The Sixers, they, they traded the first pick to the Sixers. Exactly, because they knew what the Sixers were going to do all along, and that's the, they were going to go with Fultz, so we picked up a couple extra picks and got and ended up getting Tatum at third because the Sixers, for whatever reason, thought that the Celtics might take Fultz at one. <laughs> they, they totally, I mean, at, at that time, Danny H. played them like a fiddle, and it was sickening to see. And I even said at the time, I said, you better watch out because Danny Ainge is a snake, and I mean that in a complimentary way, that he knew what he was doing. And it's exactly right. The Sixers fell in his trap, ended up taking Fultz, who had lots of question marks at the time, and they stood right at three and took Tatum, and look at where both franchises are right now. Well, you're not a snake if you you offer the team the first overall pick. They can pick anybody they want, including Tatum. What kind of snake are you at that point? No, but he... Uh, I'll <laughs> call it a smart call? snake. Because he knew... Cause I'm saying, the point is he knew what the Sixers were going to do. And he took advantage of it. Well, th- he gave the Sixers the option of picking any player in right. the draft. But the genius okay. part was he knew that they were going to make the wrong pick. That's what I'm saying. That's what's, that, was, that was what was brilliant about that draft and on the Celtics I, part. And, and going into the draft, who did I say the Sixers should pay, take first overall? Tatum. I said over and over again, you got to take Jason yes. Tatum. Over and over again. I said, you've got to take Jason Tatum. All right. I finally, I mean, I went to watch Fultz play at Washington on TV. I'm like going, I'm sitting there watching him going, I don't get it. Then I said, well, you know what? Let's give him a chance here. You know, when's the next Washington game on? Well, the next Washington game came up, and I'm watching it. And I got, I'm, like, I'm sitting there like, I don't get it. So then I, I thought, you know, okay, maybe I'm missing something here. So it was a third Washington game that came up, and he didn't play in the game. <laughs> I was like, great. <laughs> he was sick. No, he wasn't sick. He was injured. I, I'm sitting there like, what the heck? I'm watching them. I'm watching Tatum. Now, Penn State played Duke that year, too. But I'm watching Tatum. I'm like, holy mackerel. Like, this guy can play. Now, I don't know if he'll be a star at all, but he can play in the NBA. I'm watching Fultz. I'm like, like, okay, what am I missing? Yeah, every time I I watched, each time I watched him, I kept thinking, what am I missing? I kept questioning myself, what am I missing here? Because it doesn't look like he's... 
I wouldn't pick him at all. <laughs> I wouldn't pick him at all. Like, if I had the 10th pick in the draft and he was sitting there, I wouldn't pick him. <laughs> like, let's go. We got to go someplace else because I just didn't see it. You really do have to sit back and question how they are when it comes to talent evaluation. 100%. By the way, Pennsylvania does have a team in the Little League World Series media is in. That's right, and that was in epic fashion. Yeah, I I didn't see it. I just know they're in. They erased a no-hitter and won on a walk-off two-run home run in the bottom of the seventh in extras. Wow. That is as epic as you can get right there. That, that that is exciting. It's it's almost like scoring one run in the eighth and four in the ninth to come back and win at home. Oh my almighty! Yeah. Sadly, that didn't make my list because to me it was same stuff, different day with the New York Yankees. But I did declare yesterday when that happened that, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Yankees season is officially over. I'm officially case closed. I'm officially moving on to football. The Yankees are done. They are toast. They have so many problems. Any way you slice it and dice it, this is a franchise going nowhere for a long time. The Eagles win on uh, Saturday night. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Eh, but that's all right. Been a long week. Saw a lot of good things, so it's all right. What did I try to tell you? I, I was kidding around Saturday with some of the media guys. One of the guys was sitting here with an Eagles T-shirt. He was looking at his phone. I said, what are you doing? Was that John Sauber? No, it was not John. <laughs> no, it was not John. And I said, I said what are you doing? I said, the, I said, the game means nothing. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> No, well, all right, take a break. Why do I sense you're not done yet? Oh, I am not done yet. Oh boy, I do want to. I do want to get into just briefly the uh, Stanford Cal ACC thing when we get back. Okay, then I'll let you. I'll turn you loose. Okay. That sounds like a plan. All right. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK.